Well, good morning again. How's everybody doing today? Yeah, I hope you're enjoying your summer season. Hard to believe it's almost the end of July already. Isn't that crazy? Just sort of blink and away it goes. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy it while you can, right? That's good. Well, we continue our series today on his expressions, and uh, we've looked at Psalm 32 or the first week. Pastor Gary talked about what do I do with guilt. Uh, we looked at Psalm 37, talking about perspectives for life, and then last week, uh, Pastor Gary was talking about Psalm 44, how do I respond when everything is going wrong. If you've missed any of those uh, talks, go to our website, uh, YouTube channel, and uh, you can catch up on those, and those will help you. A couple of weeks ago when, uh, when I was uh, sharing with you, one of the things I mentioned is that this series provides us with both the right words that we can relate to as honest expressions, but also uh, to help us with the right perspective that we need to have for life. I found this anonymous quote this week that says, academia and culture have a way of glorifying problems by examining them and presenting it in multiple dimensions, which we ought to do, but giving too little attention to the solution. We talk about a lot of different things. We have these honest expressions of how we feel and the struggle, and it's, and it's very real for us. But we also always need this to move towards some solution, some, something that will help us in where, when we're in the midst of those honest expressions, to be able to work through them and to deal with them and to continue on with life. And I think our passage to ponder that we have for our series is a great lead-in to a psalm, the psalm we're going to take a look at today. And so if you're able uh, to stay with me, we're going to read this together as we do uh, each week. Uh, psalm 139, we're going to uh, read this, one, verses 1 to 4 and then 23 uh, to 24. Let's read it nice and loud so those around us uh, can hear us. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Excellent. You may be seated. Well, today we're going to take a look at Psalm 73, and we're going to uh, go on this journey of discovering the way of the wise. You've probably heard of these discovery classes, which give you an opportunity to sort of uh, learn the basics of some sort of thing. And, and I think they're really meant to sort of capture your attention and your interests so you want to experience more. If you've taken a discovery cooking class, it, it sort of helps to give you the basics to get some interest there to, to uh, sort of branch out to do some cooking. And I remember in uh, junior high uh, having my what would have been called home ec class, as we, they uh, called it then, and learning to make hot chocolate from scratch. It was sort of my, uh, you know, it could have been easy to open up a pack, but, you know, they had to teach you sort of the basics here. And it sort of sparked this interest. In fact, uh, it wasn't um, a couple years later when my parents bought their first microwave. 
And I won't tell you what they paid for because it was unbelievable. Anyway, and they had this recipe book in it of making a meal in a microwave. And my mom said, okay, Al, I'm gonna, we're going to leave you to make the meal tonight, right? So I pulled out a can of cream corn and I microwaved it. And I, you know, and, and all the other stuff. And yeah, anyway, and discovery classes. I remember the uh, discovery class for scuba diving that I took in Cozumel, Mexico, and it sort of sparked this interest to want to be certified to dive and, and to do those sort of things. It just sort of grabbed my attention. I loved it to see the fish and uh, to do that. Unfortunately, the first couple of dives that I did in the Caribbean, I got seasick, and it was a, sort of a waste of a day. But I tried it, and I hope to go back someday. It's just the water. I got to figure that out at home. I'm not going to get seasick underwater. And if you've uh, had to do that underwater, you know what that's like, and I won't describe any other details because you don't want to know about that. <laughs> or a cooking, a discovery class of flying classes. I'm really interested in sort of doing that, and so I was watching this YouTube video the other day of, of this uh, guy learning how to fly a plane and all the different things related to that, and I'm sort of interested in maybe pursuing that, but it was enough to kind of pique my interest. Today, I want to capture your interest and motivate you to discover the way of the wise for life. In a sense, I want to give you a bit of a sampler so you get a taste for wisdom and want more. Uh, years ago, when you go to a Chinese food restaurant, they used to have what was called the poo-poo platter. I don't know why they named it that. <laughs> but... I don't know who thought about that, but there was this thing called the poo-poo platter that you could try all of these uh, meats and seafoods to get a sample and taste it. You go, oh, I really like that. I think I want a little bit more of that. So they could have came up with a much better name, don't you think? But anyway, it was this idea to capture your attention. The psalmist here in Psalm 73, we're told, is Asaph, who was probably one of David's chief musicians. He was a Levite who was a worship leader. Now, the, uh, of the 12 tribes of Israel, the Levites were the ones that were called to be uh, the priests. They were not given land because their role, they were to be dedicated to the priesthood, to assisting the people of Israel uh, to discover who God was, to to help with their spiritual development, to help them to grow and to worship, learn to worship God in their daily lives. And the rest of the tribes would take their provisions and what they would earn, and they would bring a portion of that to the temple to give back to God or to the tabernacle. And the Levites would live off that portion because they had no way to sort of make, make means for themselves. The people, the other tribes would look after them. And Asaph, who writes this psalm, speaks of this process of discovery that he goes through when he discovers, when he considers the pride and the prosperity of those who choose to ignore God and his ways and how it impacted him. And so let's take a look at Psalm 73 this morning. We're going to read the first uh, couple of verses and then jump ahead to it, but uh, I'll read it for you as we take a look at it today. Asaph writes, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. 
So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task it is. And then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Next slide. Truly you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. And then I realized that my heart was bitter. And I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you, yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. Next slide. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish for, the, for the, you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near to God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter and will tell everyone about the wonderful, wonderful things that you do. I want to share, you, share with you for the next uh, few minutes three sort of ways or thoughts that we can discover the way of the wise from Psalm 73. And the first is this. The wise discover that it's easy to become foolish. That the way of the foolish is a slippery slope. In Psalm 73, uh, Asaph writes this, But as for me, I had almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone, for I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. I was so foolish and arrogant. Remember here, Asaph is the worship leader. His job is to uh, lead the people to seek and to understand and to point people towards God's ways. But in Psalm 73, the psalmist can see the enviable life of those who, are, who have no interest in God. In other words, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, these people who have rejected God completely are living their best life. They seem to have everything go their way and have everything that they want. And I think that here the psalmist and what he's writing was feeling that the truth might be that it's not worthwhile to follow God's ways in this life. In fact, he says, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? He's struggling with this question. And the psalmist here opens a door, and when he opens this door, in comes these negative emotions and, and self-pity and, and this questioning of God and himself and resentment. And he began to envy the wicked, though they were not impacted in any way by what he was thinking, how, what was going on in the reality of life, his honest expression, did I stay pure for nothing? Is it really worth following God's ways? Let's face it. It's not uncommon for us to get caught up in traps of envy and jealousy and bitterness. 
when things don't go our way and it seems like it's going well for other people, sometimes we go, God, really? Really? Like, I'm trying. I'm trying to do what you want me to do, and, and you're, it seems like my life is getting harder and more difficult. And yet those who reject you have no interest in you at all seem to have everything they want. The truth is, when we're guided by our emotions alone, we can easily find ourselves in this place where we become disoriented or sometimes even begin to deconstruct our faith and even move to become atheists where we, we reject belief in God at all. That's why the psalmist writes, David writes earlier in Psalm 14.1, the fool says in his heart there is no God. The path of the foolishness is this there can't be a God. I'm not interested in God or I can't believe there is a good God because of the things that I've seen happen in my life or in the lives of the people around me or in our world. And some people can never get over that. Here he writes that the path of the fool is a slippery slope. Now some consider slipping and sliding to be humorous. You know, uh, during the summer, I was watching, looking on Facebook at some of the camps. They've created this massive uh, uh, slip and slide, right? Where it's just, it's really long. They put soap on it and water, and then just, people just glide on it. It looks like a lot of fun, right? Or you've probably watched those videos, you know, where people, you know, the slipping videos, right? People walk out, and they slide on the ice, and it seems really funny. Not for the person, you know, that's fallen, obviously, but it looks humorous at the time. And, you know, if you watch the video after, if it was yourself, you might even laugh. Unless you, like, broke your pelvis or something. <laughs> it looks funny. The picture here that the writer is making is like a hiker or a climber who begins to slip down this sharp precipice and can't stop. There's nothing to grab onto. There's no way of stopping. There's nothing to get a grip on with before they slide towards the edge and fall off. Now, if you've watched any of those scenes in a movie, you know how it feels, right? Maybe they're climbing a, a, an ice wall or something, and they begin to slip, and you're like, you know, you're like, you're hanging on. If you're grabbing the person's hand beside you, you find yourself holding it tighter because they're sliding, sliding. They're trying their ice pick and, or maybe the things in their boots to stop, and they're sliding, and they're sliding, getting closer to the edge, and you're like, oh, come on. You got to stop before you go off the edge. Sorry, I'm stressing you out just by telling that story, aren't I? <laughs> Sorry about that. There's this tensity, and that's the picture of sliding down this precipice and about to fall off. And Asaph here later realizes that this is the path of the wicked or the foolish, that they slide off this cliff to their destruction. And he realizes how easy it is to be headed down that same path of the fool's. For Asaph, he realized it, that it was envy that started the slip for him. When he took his eyes off God and the goodness of God and began to look at other people and began to envy them, he began to slip, as it were, and began to slide. He began to fall away. 
And I wonder as we read this psalmist or we consider that, how he began to slip, what it is for you and I that causes us to slip, to take our eyes off of a good God and begin to slide, begin to head down that path of foolishness at times away from God or the things, sometimes it's just the little things that slip us up, but we can probably all identify something today. Maybe it's a negative emotion or an experience that we've had or are struggling with even now that seems to be leading us away from God. And my question here that I want you to think about is this. When we have doubts, when we begin to slip, when we struggle, when we are working through it, are we willing to talk about it? Are we willing to talk with someone else? So some, you know, sometimes in, you know, in Christian circles, we, you know, we give this facade or this idea that you, oh, you, you can't ever doubt. Don't doubt. If you don't have enough faith, well, there's something wrong with you. You know, if you're, if, if people say, you know, if you're not getting your answer to prayer, maybe you just don't have enough faith. It's a lie. Not true. It doesn't depend on us. Everything depends on God, Right? And it's okay to talk about our doubts. In fact, it's important that we talk about it. That we struggle through it. That we wrestle through it with others. Moving towards a solution. Helping each other in our doubt. Not staying there. But talking about the reality of it. It's a slippery slope that we need to talk about and help each other. Because when you're sliding... And you're about gone, and there's somebody that reaches out with a hand. You're not going, no thanks, I'll wait for the next person that reach out, right? You're grabbing on. And that's what we're supposed to do for each other when we begin to slip and fall. Asaph also helps us on this discovery of the way of the wise, this idea that the wise discover that wisdom begins with God. That the way of the wise is a door to be walked through. I love it here what, what he writes in verse 17. After all of, he's talking about, he's slipping away as he, as he envies all of the wicked and all the things that they, benefits that they have. When he comes to his realization, what, what's the turning point here? He says, then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. It was when he went into the presence of God that he came to his senses, that he finally understood and realized the eternal reality for those who choose the path away from God or the foolish path and the reality of what envy had done in his own heart and to him. By this getting, uh, getting back to the way of the wise for Asaph, it began when he went to the place that represented God's presence. And that's the place that we know to, need to go to. That's the place when we, when we go to God's presence, when we recognize his presence with us, it shakes us, it helps us to realize that in spite of everything going on and the people that we're looking at us and getting our focus on, we need to get back to our focus and attention on God and who he is and what he's able to do. 
theologian W.A. Van Gemeren, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, makes this quote. Overwhelmed by the greatness, glory, and majesty of God, the psalmist regained a proper perspective of the situation. And he rediscovered something he had known but had forgotten. I love that quote because isn't that, isn't that to be human? You know, we can be here today and we can go, yeah, let's worship God. Let's, you know, shout and we can praise God and go, God, you are so good. You're amazing. You do so many good things. And, you know, and hear a message that, you know, the, there's a path of the foolish. Don't slip up. And, but God, who I'm going to talk about in a few minutes, is a good God. And you might, yeah, oh, that's what I want to hear. And tomorrow, when things don't go good, where does our mind go? God, where are you? God, why are you not good? And I'm, you're like, wait a second. It's, you know, just yesterday you were going, yeah, God is good. And today you're going, God, I don't think you're good anymore. Right? But that's the human condition, isn't it? We so quickly forget who God is and the reality of what God is about and what he is able to do. See, the way of wisdom begins with this awareness of the presence of God. And, that, and this awareness reorients us to what's right, to what's true, and what's most important. Of all of the things that Solomon, David's son, writes in Proverbs, I love the, this verse. Proverbs 9.10. It says, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. He's not talking about there this, this fear of God. Oh, God, you know, you're, gonna, you're ready to crush me at any moment. It's this healthy respect, this understanding that I am not in control, but the God of the universe is, and he's worth hanging on to. And when I choose to have relationship with him, when I pursue him, when I come to know him, he imparts wisdom into my life. Good judgment. He helps me along the way to make good choices. Doors are a daily part of our lives. You walk through at least three or four today before you came here. Maybe more than that, depending upon, you know, how many doors that you have in your house or maybe if you went to uh, Tim Hortons or Starbucks before you came. We have this family picture, uh, these family pictures in our house that we decided to do of, of uh, each one of us standing by a different door in a different country. And we took the picture and developed it, put it in a frame, and we have it sort of on our wall. And, and it's this idea, doors are very important to us. And the picture here that we get from the psalm is almost like a picture of this, door, of this hallway with many doors. It's this idea of, of each one of these doors is a, is a life action or a decision that we've made, whether good or regrettable. Or it's a, a habit that we have opened the door to, or it's a, a pursuit that we have started, or a priority that we've made in our life, in our life, and we've opened those different doors, and maybe it's a relationship. And the picture here is sort of each one of those doors has a nameplate on it of whatever that is that we've pursued or chosen to do or open the door to. But one of the doors in that hallway 
has God's name plate on it. And as we're going down that hallway, like it's life, we either choose to ignore it as not an option, or we pass by it as considering it a last resort. You know, I'm going to check out all the other doors in life before I check that one out. You know, that'll be the last resort if nothing else works. Or we crack open the door slightly just to sort of take a little peek inside, but not sure what to expect and not really willing to step through the door. For Asaph, he discovers that when he takes the way of the wise, he walks through the door. In a sense, he walks through that door into the sanctuary, into God's presence. And as soon as he walks through the door, God met him there. God met him there. He was waiting for Asaph to come to his senses, to realize who he is, to realize the foolish path he was on, but that God was there and waiting for him. Why did you come here today? What brought you here in the first place? What keeps you coming back? Now, I'm not talking about the, the, the place as a facility and the programs that we have or the people that are here, and those are all really important. Don't get me wrong. Those are all really important. But I want you to think about this question, is what is or was happening in you on the inside that influenced you to move towards God? What was it that, that sort of piqued your interest to begin to, to move towards God to make him an important part of your life? Maybe it was an easy thing for you, and maybe it was a desperate situation, but for whatever reason, you've chosen to move towards God. And you might not even be able to put your finger on it. But you're here today, whether for the first time or for many times, because there's something here that happens when you come like you feel like you're home. Or there's the, you can sense that there's something here and, and, and you know it's God, but and there's something in you that just goes, I, I want to be here because when I come here, I feel like I'm closer to God. To embark on the journey of the wise is to walk through the door with God's name plate on it And I want to encourage you and challenge you to not just sample God, to not just come on a a Sunday or, you know, when midweek stuff happens and just sort of come and go, yeah, I like that feeling. I, I like that sense of being close to God. Walk through the door. Say, God, whatever it is that you want to do in my life and through my life, do it. Take control. I triple dog dare you if you've never done it. (laughs) I can say that because I remember when I walked through that door and he was waiting for me. And he called me by name and began to work in my life as imperfect as I was the shame that I had because of choices and decisions that I made. And he goes, no, we're not going to stay in the shame. We're going to go ahead. Take my hand. 
The path of the wise is making that decision to walk through that door because God is there. Thirdly and lastly, you go, I like it when he says that. The wise discover that God is truly good. That the way of the wise is a relationship to be embraced. Asaph writes here, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, how good it is to be near to God. This is, he writes that at the beginning and then at the end of the, of the chapter, he writes how good it is to be near God. I have made him my sovereign, the sovereign Lord my shelter. I will tell everyone about the wonderful things that he has done. Back to uh, theologian uh, Van Gemmeren, he writes, because of God's presence, the, the psalmist here is, all, is also more assured of his protection and his guidance. He senses God is holding his hand, giving him internal fortitude and providing for all of his needs. And though Asaph here gave into envy and bitterness and foolishness, he realizes that God didn't walk away from him during that time, but was still there and wanted to be in relationship with him. That's why he writes. He says, I was so foolish and ignorant, I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet, I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Asaph comes to the wise conclusion that no matter the lifestyle and choices of others, when he gets his eyes on others, no matter what they choose to do, God really is all that he has and all that he needs. He realizes God is for him, not against him. God is the source of his life. He says, whom am I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. The picture here is of a lover or a marriage partner who is deeply committed to the covenant relationship even when their partner is foolish when their partner neglects their relationships or gives in to jealousy or envy and, or pursues other things and say, or says and does things that are detrimental to the relationship, their commitment is unwavered. Their love does not diminish for their, for their lover, for their partner. And they long for them to come to their senses. Now, thankfully... God is the perfect picture of this. No human being can actually do that without God's help. We can't truly love each other the way we're supposed to. We can't truly commit ourselves deeply to covenant relationship in, in family and in marriages without God's help. Only he can help us to do this. But that's just it. He's the perfect picture of this. He's the perfect lover, the perfect partner who's deeply committed to us. He will not go away. Even when we head down the wrong path, he reaches out for us. 
He calls us. He waits for us. He longs for us. His heart breaks when we go through painful things. When we go make foolish choices or decisions that we've made in our lives, his heart breaks for us because he has so much more for us. But then he calls us, come. Al, I love you. I love you. Come on. I want to be in relationship with you. There's nothing you can do that's going to stop me from loving you. He's the perfect partner. Believing that God is truly good and wise is a wise choice for us, but it causes us to have to be vulnerable. It causes us to have to trust God and to embrace our relationship with him and to make him the highest value in our life, more important than anyone else or anything else. We're to embrace him and make him the most important. So I have another question for you. Have you ever considered that the wisest path for life revolves around relationships? That a deep commitment in your life to God who loves you, that he will never stop loving you, but that he's deeply committed to help you to become the best version of yourself, that's what it's meant to be? That he has your best in mind? That the wise way is this commitment that God has to us to, to be there for us, but it's not just that. That the wise way is to, is to discover people in our life and to surround ourselves with people who are wise, who have our best, best interests in mind, who love us through good and bad, who are there for us, who walk with us, who are willing to challenge us when we're headed down the wrong path, who are willing to speak truth into our lives, who are committed to us becoming the best version of ourselves. Listen to me today. That, my friends, is the way of the wise. And if you have God and wise people in your corner, what more do you want? If you hang on to the God who all-wise God, who wants to direct you into the right path, and you surround yourself with wise people in your life who want the best for you, even if what they say at times hurts, but you know it's true, those are the people you want in your life because they're the people who will help you, and you're going to help them to walk this journey, the path of wisdom. See, the way of the wise is a path that is never walked alone. With God leading the way, the wise travel together. We travel together and help each other along so that each of us can become the best version of ourselves. That, my friends, is the way of the wise. And God wants us to discover it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that you love us so much, that you have our best interests in mind, that you want us to become the best.
version of ourselves. God, we just reflect on that for a moment. Because we've heard a lot of things about who you are, and we've had a lot of experiences in our life that might say the opposite. But I pray, Lord, this morning that the truth would penetrate our hearts and our minds today. And that, God, we begin to trust you, that we'd be willing to walk through that door, that we would be willing to reach out, recognizing that we're on a slippery slope away, that we would reach out for you today. And that, God, we would choose to believe that you are good, that you have something bigger in mind, even when life you know, hands us a curveball or we get broadsided, Lord, and we're off our game and we feel like we're headed in, in territory where we're lost or we're feeling disoriented, God, I pray that we would look to you today because you're the only one who will never let us down. And that's hard for us because some of us today in here are hurt because people have disappointed us. People we trusted have said and done things and we thought, if that's who God is that they're representing, I want no part of him. God, help us to see past those things and to see who you really are today and to choose to discover the path of the wise that begins with you. Father, I pray over this next month and these next number of weeks of summer that wherever we are and whatever we're doing, may there come these unique moments where all of a sudden we recognize you are there. And you love us. And you're at work in our lives. And you're pleased. And you're committed. Lord, give us a fresh revelation of who you are, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome.